Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Looking back at this uh, release from the Montreal Economic Institute, uh, 72% of Canadians believe that our tax rate is too high. Count me in that 72%. One in five say it's acceptable. And uh, we do have this particular piece of information, which I think is really important. 77% of Canadians believe that the rich will be tempted to leave or transfer their assets to more attractive countries if their taxes increase too much. That's just common sense. It seems to escape some people, but that is just common sense. We also have the concern, or at least the threat, of recession coming our way. Dr. Eric Cam, Professor Cam, Macroeconomics, Toronto Metropolitan University, one of our favorites. He's become part of this program by now. Is back with us, Dr. Cam. Thank you uh, very much for the uh, for the appearance today. Seventy-one percent, seventy-two percent, rather, saying taxes are too high. I'm still trying to figure out who the other one in five are. Uh, that's a good question. Perhaps they live somewhere that we don't know and avoid paying taxes. The reality is in Canada, taxes are too high. Um, I don't know how to slice it any other way. And you can talk about whether you think that our social services and our safety net are too strong or strong enough. But the reality is, is that it's impossible to avoid things like the inefficiencies of the public sector. And you can bet that for every dollar that we are taxed, it would be one thing if that dollar went to supporting something worthy, but it doesn't. There's just so much waste in the system that it's impossible to ignore. And that's where we get a bad reputation as a high tax country, is that not only do they take for some of us, 51% at the high end, but we don't really know what they're doing with it. And we know that at the core, it's not an efficient decision anyway. Yeah, also very concerning, as the MEI points out, their survey shows that the majority of Canadians don't have any maneuverability when it comes to trying to build up an emergency fund or any kind of financial cushion for themselves for the expected recession. That only adds to the stress and the fear factor, does it not? Well, and isn't that tragic in a sense, Roy? I mean, really, isn't the idea of financial solvency and being comfortable with your wealth? I mean, this should not be a topic that is constrained to the very wealthy, or as they say, the euphemistic 1%. There should be far more of the population that I'm not saying is going to be wealthy. That's not, uh, you can, it's not viable. You can't have most of your population wealthy. But I don't think it's beyond the realm of possible that a majority of your population is comfortable. And by comfortable, I don't mean buying yachts. I mean more than one or two or three paychecks away from financial insolvency and losing your home. So this is what we I know you and I tried to talk about this a lot during the pandemic is if you're going to take away the ability for people to make a living, you're taking away so much more than that. You're taking away their financial foundation and a, and a financial foundation is a psychological foundation. And that really is one of the tragedies of the pandemic. It is it just left far too many people and most through no fault of their own one paycheck away from being insolvent. And I think, again, that's just another another issue of financial insolvency right now that's tragic. 
Yeah. And at the same time, government continues to raise taxes, i.e. the carbon tax. So as we're going to be seeing, and we will, that the price of gasoline and diesel, diesel affects everything in our lives because everything in our homes, offices, wherever we are, was delivered by a truck. So as the price of gasoline and diesel rises, inflation will go up again. And there we are facing um, these serious issues with, with disposable and necessary disposable money, but they increase taxes at the same time. It is an unworkable and it is a punitive formula. It's absolutely punitive. You know, all you have to do is drive by a gas station. And if you're not nauseated enough by the price of gas to put in your car, look at the price of diesel. Look what we have done to our number one method of transporting goods in this country. And I come at this from a bias, Roy. You know this. My family was in the potato business and they made their living in trucking. And I don't know how. I don't know how you make your living in trucking today when you're paying 220, 230, 240 um, yeah. for a liter uh, to, to fill up your truck. It's just, you know, and, and you bring up disposable income. I mean, as difficult as the economy is, it's kind of that simple too, right? You need a strong disposable income, loosely defined as the money you earn minus the money that you pay in taxes. And right now, our federal government doesn't seem to have a handle on this, that people's disposable incomes need a break. They won't cut the carbon tax. They won't help us with natural resources. They don't help us with fuel. They don't seem to want to help us anywhere except for agendas. And I don't want to I don't want to say anything really bad about what somebody else finds truly important, say, indigenous rights. I think that's an important issue, too. But you know what? All economies, Roy, all economies have to prioritize. We have to have a hierarchy. And if there's something more important than the maintenance of disposable income, Roy, I haven't found it yet. So 2008-2009, world financial crisis. This country was very well positioned. In fact, we were the envy of so many other countries because we weathered it quite well while others were struggling mightily. So what changed? Um, what changed again is this attack on disposable income. What changed is that the Bank of Canada and the government, uh, I won't say conspired, but I'll say combined, to create really an untenable situation for the economy. Uh, number one, of course, we have a comparative advantage in natural resources, petroleum, natural gas, fuel, things like that. But we let that comparative advantage fall to the ground. We just frankly don't use it. Uh, taxes are too high, as you said. And then I, I also look at things like the interest rate. And what is the interest rate doing? As it creeps up and up and up, all it does is perpetuate this inflationary spiral that now not only not only can most people not afford, but we're creeping up on almost all people can't keep up with this. We saw the statistics last week that somebody earning seventy or $80,000 a year next year is supposed to have a decrease in their disposable income of $4,000. We've lost our financial way. And it, it, it really saddens me as an economist and as a, a father to look out at the landscape right now and realize that nobody seems to be attacking what we need to attack, which is let's make people's lives a little easier and let's make it not so easy to fathom for most people that they could lose their their home or the ability to feed their children. But the government doesn't seem to have any built up capital right now, Roy, to attack those issues. Yeah, we have about a minute and a half. Tell uh, tell our listeners, please, how this program is becoming, well, part of your 
and interchange interaction with your students. I'm very proud to talk about this. Um, so what happened is, is I realized that we always use these expressions in class, like learning economics is actually doing economics. But, you know, I can provide students with thousands and thousands of multiple choice questions. But we both know that that becomes, in a sense, boring at a point. I mean, it's important to study and it's important to to do the physical mathematical calculations required. But how many vehicles do students have to actually discuss economic issues? So I decided, why not put the Roy Green show on my course outline and actually make it required listening for my students? And so what I've asked my students to do is to tune into your show as a way of, of, of increasing their ability to practice economics, because what it does is they take the things that they hear on your show, and Lord knows not just from me, and we bring them into the lecture hall, and we discuss them, and they become the practical examples that I use in class, Roy. So frankly, um, I'm, I'm using your show as a teaching tool, and you know what? The students love it. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.